White Sox, White Sox, go, 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 go. Call your sons, call your daughters. Holy cow. You can't put it on the board. Yes. Yes. It's a perfect game. Red Echo, Grand Slam. A White Sox winner and a world championship. Jimenez, he's your hero tonight. Thanks, Cubs. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know. Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox Podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello, and welcome back to Locked On Sox. I'm Herb Lawrence, Ecknerwall23 on Twitter. If you want to follow me, Chris Tannehill is at Chris Tannehill on Twitter, and our show is called Locked On Sox on Twitter, Instagram, and on YouTube. Go there and subscribe. Maybe you'll win a prize pack. 312-566-8727, 312-566-8727 is the way you can leave a voicemail for us. And I hope there's a lot of them after today's game because it's very disappointing. And we'll get to that in the heart of this episode. LockedOnSocks at gmail.com if you want to write us old school an email. Chris, uh, how, how's it going tonight? Uh, not great, Herb. I mean, that was that was a great baseball game, and that was a crackling game, a pitcher's duel as promised. You know, oftentimes these pitcher's duels never live up to the hype, but this one certainly did. I mean, you know, tip your cap to Shane Bieber tonight, who was just uh, – he was remarkable. You know, he was dealing against a White Sox lineup who's, you know, not at full strength, obviously, but still incredibly efficient – uh, you know, only made two mistakes through about seven or eight innings that I could count, two hangers, he got away with it, and then slowly, you know, he began to lose it a little bit in that ninth inning, but he goes all nine, Cleveland wins two to nothing, and, you know, we're going to talk about this extra inning rule, but, you know, there's so much to talk about in this game here, but in a 162-game season, you don't want to dwell too much on one game, and I know that's why you're here to listen to us, but there's issues in this game today Um we talk about process, right? First and foremost, process over results. And yep. you were hot today. You were steaming when that lineup got rolled out today. And the White Sox lineup last night featuring Jake Lamb and Nick Williams. And you even uh, went back into the Wayback Machine and, and dug out the old episode where we rolled out Tony La Russa as the White Sox manager. And uh, you were none too happy to start that broadcast. And I think we're going to get a bit of the same tonight. So... Herb, what did you make of that lineup that was rolled out there tonight? Absolutely shit. It's like I understand the need to give people rest. And let me just start with the Yermin thing first because that's the less egregious thing. I understand that. The need to give people rest. But Yermin has played eight of the ten games start coming into this game. He is the White Sox best hitter and one of the best hitters in the whole league right now. He's on one. And maybe you think it's not going to last, but why would you squelch that? Why would you put a hold on that? You see every one of his bats. He's battling. And wouldn't you want one of your best hitters to go against a guy you know is going to dominate? So you know it's going to be a tight score because you have your ace out there. So you need your best hitters out there. So to have Jake Lamb in there instead of your mean Mercedes, strike one. The more egregious thing is to have Nick Williams in there for a second night in a row, starting over your guy that you told us that is going to be ready for the league, ready immediately for the league. 
jumping from single A up to the majors. And we all bought in. We're like, all right, cool. Do it. And if it was going to be a veteran guy that you brought in, like we were talking yesterday, Josh Reddick, if you would have brought him in and he's starting over Andrew Vaughn, I think most people are like, I'm not liking that, but I understand it. Josh Reddick is more of a win-now guy, and he's done it. He's there. He's better defensively. He's better with the bat. I'm good with that, Tony. But it's goddamn Nick Williams. And no offense to Nick Williams. I'm sure he's not making these lineups. He's not begging to be in the lineup. But he's not a major league player. He's been proven as such. The Phillies washed him out, and I think he got cut by a team before the White Sox picked him up this year in spring training. So I don't understand the thought process. It's not Little League. Not everybody has to play. And the one guy that I would 100% want to play is the guy that you touted is going to be a major league hitter immediately. And there's no way to make him, Andrew Vaughn, good by him sitting on the bench, especially for garbage like Nick Williams and for garbage like Billy Hamilton. And they're not garbage players. I mean, the garbage people, they're garbage players. They're not going to do anything. They're not the future of this team. Andrew Vaughn is. Nick Williams hitting today or not hitting does not affect the White Sox. Andrew Vaughn's development and hitting immediately affects the White Sox now and for and for the future. So those things are egregious. That's the process you go into. And then Nick Williams hitting fucking fifth. Fifth in the lineup. Fifth. That's in front of Yasmani Grandal, a professional hitter himself. I just, what are we doing? Like, are we just picking names out of the hat after we get to, after done with Abreu? Because Nick Williams should be hitting fifth in a college game much less a major league baseball game. So this is, no, it's, that's where you lose me. We're all gung-ho on Tony, you know, having the clubhouse before uh, when spring broke and everybody was like, oh man, it's great. Tony said it's great. But now he, you could tell this is a break from the management and the on-field manager. I'm sure if you get Rick in a candid moment, drink a couple of brews, He's probably on a thousand with Tony LaRusso, but he can't do anything because Tony's a made man and he doesn't have to listen to Rick Hahn because Rick Hahn didn't hire him. Tony answers to Jerry only and he makes his lineup. This is Moneyball, but worse because there's no trading of Nick Williams because Jerry vetoed that shit immediately because, you know, Tony probably wants guys like Nick Williams out there to give it bats to, but. It's just so frustrating. That's why the process, if he would won this game, the process of him sitting that bullshit lineup out there made no sense against Shane Bieber. Absolutely not. This looked like one of those transitional lineups that you saw in 18 and early 19 where you have guys just placeholders until the exactly. other, other better guys come up. And the problem with that is there's better guys here in Chicago uh, we're waiting to take those spots, and I'm going to play for you three pieces of audio here, and I, and I don't want to take the steam out of what you're saying. Herb's bringing it a, a thousand percent tonight, but we can only hold these guys accountable. Management, the manager, we can only hold them accountable to what they say and what they say to you and what they say to us. So it was a great job by the White Sox beat writer contingent before the game, asking Tony like, "Hey, what's going on uh, with with Andrew Vaughn? Why isn't he in the lineup again?" You earn your spot on the roster, and that's what Andrew did. And then you earn your at-bats. 
and uh, right now we're in a situation where, you know, there's Mercedes has taken a lot of the DH at bats, which means before that you would have thought that you could uh, mix and match a little more. But uh, when you see, like I just said, he's playing tomorrow and, and Thursday. And the reason is not we're not trying to develop him is because he's ready to help us. And I think he will help us. You know, this club is in, has a chance to win. So I think everybody early on, you treat like it's early in the season. If they struggle, if they get hot, you got to keep them hot. But he's on the club because he can help us. Yeah, he's on the bench, uh, not helping much at all. And when you hear Mercedes is taking at bats away from him at DH, and then Mercedes is not even in the game until late. And by the way, your mean Mercedes comes in in the ninth inning to pinch hit for Mendick, and he's got the best at bat of the whole night up to that point. Like he's the only one he had never seen Shane Bieber in his life, and he's the only one that had an approach. You know, you, you don't. Not letting him get and take advantage of that curveball, you know, bending with with the bend of the curveball, like you know, and then he almost got himself in a position where he was on second base, you know, uh, that ball is a millimeter to the left, and all of a sudden it's a double for him, and maybe the Sox win that game. But that such is life in baseball. But so you you hear that, you hear, oh, it's it's Mercedes taking at bats away at the DH spot. So that must mean that Tony doesn't believe Andrew Vaughn is a capable left fielder. Well, here's what he had to say about that. Well, like I guess I, I, for me, the left field play is. Uh... It's not an issue. I, I think it's just riding the best lineup that day. And you, you, you factor in, you know, whether it's Nick or if it's, um, or if it's Andrew, you know, you got to get enough at bats so you maintain some kind of timing. So, you know, that's why you sprinkle them around at times where, uh, I mean, you can get a, I've done it where a guy gets two hits and he doesn't play the next day. It's not fucking so, little league. Dick. It's more about who's pitching against us. What's our best chance to, score runs, the defensive side, uh, I think he's shown that he can play there. So which is it? So he's he's a capable left fielder. Earlier on that press conference, Tony said that he was uh, an above-average left fielder because he considers an above-average left fielder as a guy who makes the, you know most of the plays that are hit to him. So which one is it? So I don't understand what's going on here. You know, I was hoping to hear, oh, you know, Andrew Vaughn's dealing with a little tweak like back on the road trip, like and we're still you know being cautious with him, blah, blah, blah. You didn't hear any of that. So he's only telling you that he does not – deserve to play because he has not earned the right to play what right to play did did nick williams earn exactly did, what both. right to play did jake lamb earn you know exactly I, other than the fact that tony is seems to be a slave to handedness and he likes mm-hmm. them because they're left-handed bats and left-handed bats only and to totally taking them out the upside of not only andrew vaughn playing tonight but Jeremy mercedes also when you know that you know one ball driven over that fence could be the difference in the game against pitchers like Shane Bieber, and neither of them are in the starting lineup. To me, that's 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 inexcusable. And we had John Morosi on the show today on the score, and he he had this interesting perspective on this. And we're wondering what's going on here behind the scenes. Like, is Tony trying to send a message? Here's what you know, veteran baseball scribe reporter. John Paul Morosi of MLB Network and Fox had to say about uh, how managers can tend to manipulate a lineup and send messages. I, I, I do think that Tony has, because of the nature of how he was brought in, this was obviously ownership driven to hire Tony. And so the notion that a Hall of Fame manager would be hired and not able to set his lineup as he wants to doesn't make sense. So I think we all realize that he has tremendous levels of autonomy, probably greater than almost any other manager 
in baseball right now. And and certainly Jake Lamb and Tony go back to Arizona days. That's one part of this. But I, I, Tony goes from the school of thought that years ago, the, your lineup card as a manager was the greatest bit of power that you had. You could make a statement to your owner with that lineup. You can make a statement to your GM with that lineup, to your players, to the fans. That's your power every single day. And the prevailing culture of the game now has taken that that power away from a lot of managers. Tony La Russa is in the Hall of Fame, and he still has it. So now we're in a pissing match between an organization who we're not sure can develop their own bats. You know, they've identified premium talent outside the organization when they make trades. You know, for Elo Jimenez, Joan Moncada. We have a pissing match between them and a, a manager who hasn't managed professionally in 10 years who is still has this archaic approach at the way to look at a lineup and look at player development. So I don't – no one's winning in this situation. This is destined to be a disaster, I think, at this point. Now, Andrew Vaughn, all the pressure's on this kid. He's going to play later today and he's going to play tomorrow. So now, all of a sudden, he's in an un- unenviable position of like, okay, I got to go out here and perform and show these MFers what's up which is not how you play baseball. I mean, some guys can play with an edge like that. I don't know Andrew Vaughn's makeup. I don't know if he's a guy that likes to play with a chip on his shoulder. But we all know you don't get better at baseball by gripping the bat tighter and trying to to prove your haters wrong. You have to go out there even keel and just live in the moment. And I just don't see how this is successful and and a a blueprint to success for anyone, for this team. Because we established already that a big part of this team's success was going to have to be Andrew Vaughn succeeding at the DH spot because they opted to not go out and get a, a DH in the offseason like Nelson Cruz. And now you're, you're just in this bad spot here where I, I just don't see this improving at all unless Andrew Vaughn by force takes his job back. And we're going to get Adam Engel back later than we thought. TA's coming back on Thursday. So there are better things on the horizon here. But this is bad, man. This is just really bad. And there was moments in this game tonight where – those spots in the lineup that normally Andrew Vaughn would be taking those ABs, your mean earlier in the game. I would have loved to have seen your mean take three ABs against Bieber tonight. We didn't get that. We only got the one. But I just don't see how Rick Hahn could be signing off on this. And it's pretty clear who's got most of the power in that building right now. And this is where we kind of said on that October show when he got hired, the usurping of Rick Hahn is a big thing. Because the owner went over his head and hired his guy. So that signaled a, a power dynamic that was going to start going to start from that point on. I didn't think necessarily that Tony wouldn't be on board with playing the players that Rick puts on the team, like the actual players who are better. Um, whatever you have to think about Andrew Vaughn, he's had, what, 20 at bats at the plate? It's got a 400 on base percentage for a guy that's done the jump that he has for any rookie to be that early in his career to have 400 uh, on base with the some of the best like he's doing a good job of being the professional hitter that they have said that he is. But how is he going to be better by sitting on the bench looking at the game instead of going to get some premium competition and seeing what it is? and saying, okay, I'll be facing Shane Bieber for the fi- next five to six years. He's striking me out all day long. I need to make adjustments. I need to do something else. I need to get my game up to the next level. How- that's the thing that he needs to go. And luckily, he'll pit- He'll play later on today, and he'll face Plesak, 
another top pitcher, not as good as Bieber, but really good. And then he can see, okay, this is what major league pitching is all about in this division. Man, I'm having a really tough time going against Plesek, or I'm seeing him really well. Something, at least he gets those at bats. To have him on the bench is just malpractice by Tony. I hope Rick is having a serious conversation with Tony about that lineup and saying, yes, you get to make the lineup, but I didn't think you were dumb. I thought you were a Hall of Famer. I thought you saw talent. And there's nothing on Nick Williams that starts over Andrew Vaughn. For a blow, for one game, I got you. We're all good. But this ain't the goddamn Little League. He don't play all the time, and neither does Jake Lamb. They're replacement players. If it was all full roster, Nick Williams wouldn't be on this team. Same thing with Jake Lamb. You should use him as such. And I'm just so furious at Tony Russo right now because he's not putting his team in the best position to win. And his, I don't, I'm, I can't wait to hear the post game presser. Uh, why he thought, why he thought Nick Williams gave him the best chance to win. I, why I, he, yeah, why I, he put all these fuckers in that are <laughs> not good. Like there's, like you're going against a premium pitcher. You need all the runs you can. Maybe you scratch your way one, and you know that your mean has the power to knock one over the fence. And you saw what they had bat. We all knew that before that, but he threw your mean that knuckle curve that everybody's flailing at a whole day. And like you said, he followed it in his eyes. He moved his body with it. He's a professional hitter. Same thing with the slider in the outside corner. Spit on it. And all the rest of the pitches, he's just knocking off. He's just hitting. He, he almost got that double right there. Like, how do you not see this? Why would you sit him down? There's no need for rest 10 games in as a designated hitter. Play him until the wheels fall off. Especially soon, you're not going to be able to play him that much because with Engel coming back and – you know, he's just not going to have as many opportunities to play unless you're just going to say, hey, you're my full-time DH from here on out. I'm just giving you a blow until then. But after that, I'm going to need to rely on you. But to your point earlier, like, you let a guy tell you when when he's hit his wall and when all of a sudden he mm-hmm. looks overmatched. You don't tell the guy, yeah, I'm going to make sure you're overmatched now and you're, I'm going to take you out of the lineup because I think that you're going to be overmatched or whatever reason it is. You let the play on the field speak. And if, and if you're talking about letting the play on the field speak, then your mean has spoken loudly that he belongs mm-hmm. at this point. We got some voicemails here. You want to take a time out and go over some of these voicemails and Hell see yes. what our people have to say? All right. Hell we'll, yes. we'll be back with some of your phone calls next on Locked on White Sox. This episode of Locked on White Sox is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Built Bar, it's the best tasting protein bar ever. I've been telling you guys about Built Bar on this show for quite a while now. And I got to tell you, they've done wonders for me in my personal life. See, I gave up sweets and sugars and candies and cookies about a couple months back, and I've been using Built Bars to supplement those cravings because, let's face it, for people like me, I'm never going to totally kick the sweet cravings. They've gone down considerably since giving up those bad foods, but I've been supplementing with Built Bars, and they've really helped me keep me on track with my I don't want to call it a diet, but sort of like a lifestyle change. I've lost about 10 pounds over the past, you know, month and a half or so. Just, you know, eating the same foods I normally eat, but instead of those cookies and cakes and milkshakes, I just switch those out for Built Bars. And I'll sometimes have two Built Bars a day. I'll keep one in my desk at work, as I said before on the show. For the 3 o'clock hour or so, you need that little energy boost, right? So I keep one there at work, and then I have one after my dinner for a nice sweet dessert. And, you know, my favorite flavors... 
coconut always right up there. The German chocolate, I think, is really becoming my favorite flavor as well. I just placed my latest order for my newest batch of Built Bars, my 24-pack of Built Bars. Uh, I ordered my favorites, coconut. I ordered cookies and cream, which is another new one I tried when I ordered my last batch, and it's really good. The cookies and cream, by the way, 17 grams of protein and only 130 calories. And I also am trying out a couple new flavors. I'm trying out salted caramel and peanut butter brownie. So I'm looking forward to those. Peanut butter brownie by far has the most grams of protein in the Built Bars, 19 grams of protein. So that'll really fill you up with only 5 grams of sugar. Do what I did. Go to BuiltBar.com and use our promo code LOCKED15, and that's going to get you 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. That's BuiltBar.com. LOCKED15 is the promo code. So important. I've ordered before, and I forgot to put in our own promo code, so don't be like me. Be smarter than me, would you? Go to BuiltBar.com now. Enter promo code LOCKED15. Built Bar, it's the best-tasting protein bar ever. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's light them up here. The 219 checking in. The Locked On White Sox voicemail. How can they get a hold of us, sir, before we get to our first messenger? 312-566-8727 is the number you need to call. That is Baines, AJ, Burley, Orta. Bo Jackson, Carlton Fisk, and Tim Anderson. All right, let's hear what the 219 has to say. Hey, this is Christian from Hammond. Um, tough one to lose. Tough one to lose, definitely. But that was a fun pitching duel to watch through and through. Shane Beavers, curveballs all day, up and down the lineup. No one could hit it. Garrett Crochet came out there, got the loss. I thought it was pretty unfortunate with that play, and then not even a bad pitch they got hit, but our bats need to come alive. Games like this when they're doing his thing and we are putting up nothing on the board. I know it's we're going against another top hit top pitcher, but at some point the excuses need to stop and our bats need to come alive. I agree with that sentiment and let's talk about crochet for a second there. I mean velocity's down. And we talked about him last year, how, you know, he's got the straight fastball, but when he's throwing up there 100 miles an hour, okay, mm-hmm. that's something you can work with. But velocity was sitting around 96 tonight. He lays one right over the heart of the plate uh, to the, uh, Rosario for the double making it 2 nothing, And, of course, the botched play in the infield and the catcher's interference was just a disaster. Uh, more defensive miscues and, and more. He's doing the shit. God it's damn. it's frustrating. I don't know if there's a stat where you can look up how many times he had been called for this in previous years. But, you know, I don't know what's going on with, with Grandal and if this is just a part of his repertoire and we, you know, haven't seen enough of it in a full sample size of season to be like, oh, yeah, that's just what he does. But it's hurting the team at this point. I don't care how many strikes you grab for your guy during the course of a nine-inning ball game. Like uh, letting a, a runner advance in extra innings with this bullshit rule out there that doesn't help anybody. So I hope Jerry Naren's working with him there, and I thought they brought him in to help the catchers with their mechanics. But it's not working, and it's frustrating. Um, but yeah, let's get to another phone call here and see what's going on here. This is from the six three zero. Hey guys, uh, love the show. Start out with that. This is Josh from uh, Ohio. Um, you know, uh, just watching the game, I'm just defeated already. Um, you know, uh, why the hell is Mercedes not even in the lineup? Okay, he's lit it up all year for us. 
you know, yeah, he cooled off a little bit. He kind of came back down to earth the last couple of days, but he's lighting it up. Uh, who who the hell is Jake Lamb? Like, I don't even know who this guy is. And I follow, <laughs> listen to you guys basically every day. No idea who this kid is. Why is he getting 0 for 4 at that when we've got a lot better guys? Um, you know, this this one, you know, number one overall draft pick, uh, what, what what's his name again? Um, oh, oh, Andrew oh, Vaughn. Yeah, Vaughn. Yeah, thanks. Yep. No, just, just, just Tony's got to go. Tony's got to go. <laughs> Let's get somebody who knows how to manage a freaking game. Love the show, guys. See you later. Thank you, sir. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we're the Sox are five and six now, and uh, fired the manager already. Here, I'll, I'll say this real quick, man. It, it's not over by any means. You know, the bullpen is starting to come around a bit, and it's becoming that strength that we thought it would be. But this is what I talked about in the offseason when I said this division was going to be a dogfight, man, especially going up against Cleveland, who's going to pitch their ass off. You have to execute against a team like this. You're not going to get many opportunities. That They're stingy on the pitching side. And for the most part, their lineup is not a powerful one whatsoever. But, you know, when you give them an opportunity to execute, most more often than not, they will do that. So they put the pressure on you always. So, that you know, if, if you want to win this division, you got to win – Games like tonight against the Indians, and uh, certainly not a step in the right direction. But they've got two more left against Cleveland. Let's uh, check and in. One more before you go to the next voicemail. Yeah. When I was listening back to that October 29th episode that we did, you astutely pointed out like Ooh. you're going to wait until the March uh, roster comes out because the move to hire Tony Larusa signals that you're going to go all out for big time free agents. You're going to go all out. To win now, this is a win now move. That's what pretty much what you said, and we saw in the offseason they did not go all out, and so this is what you're left with when you have a couple injuries. Now you're bottom of the barrel, and you have people like Tony Larusa going for subpar people like Nick Williams and Billy Hamilton before that, and Jake Lamb instead of going for maybe you go and get George Springer, maybe you bring in Michael Brantley, and so. You know, you have that injury to Eloy still in left field and you shift Michael Brantley from right field to left field or from designated hitter to left field. And then you have your means still there and he can give you those surprise bats or your original plan to play Andrew Vaughn there at designated hitter. You still have him there. See, these are the things that we were pissed off about on October 29th because we thought, okay, if you're going to do that, you have to pair that with going for it and they didn't and this is what the result is all right well let's close it out strong here uh with, with paul correct and just about about your point there like you know i, I think i said after the offseason was was done and hendrix was their their big splash move that they made i think i remember saying you know i, I hate to have the philosophy of the white Sox where you're kicking the can down the road but i, I would like to reserve my final judgment on Rickon's construction of this roster until the trade deadline because he had dropped hints about you know keeping their powder dry until then and it's reevaluating seeing what they need but it was pretty clear now that Tony wanted Liam Hendricks and then didn't deploy him correctly in the first week or so of the season and we're we're stuck with that and when when those dollars could have been allocated elsewhere to improve this team to improve the depth that we talked about being a problem so you know we'll, we'll see how this shakes out to the trade deadline but I'm now I'm, I'm really worried that they're not even going to be able to come to a decision on what is best for the team. You know, Rick Hahn's going to see this team one way, and Tony's going to see it another way from the field level. So this is just this is has dysfunctional family written all over it. And uh, let's finish strong here with uh, Paul Correct. 
Hey, fellas. Paul Correct here. I'm sure you missed me. Um, yeah. Wow, what a bummer. Uh, no pun intended. I, I actually was only able to watch the first, like, six and a half innings. I, believe it or not, I recorded my own podcast tonight. Oh. I won't plug it. I won't sully your podcast with plugging <laughs> yeah. my own. But here's the Thank point you, Paul. that I have. A, obviously Giolito and Bieber are two of the best in the, in the game. And, the, and Giolito, I just love that he looked – he continues to look amazing. And to the point where a friend of mine – my best friend is a Cub fan. He texted me. He's like, Giolito's fastball is only 94. And I said, yeah. But he throws it up in the zone, and he's got his changeup. Anyway, he looked great. Um, I mean, there was this guy that got picked off first base. So he's been having a lot of problems with uh, defense and stupid little little ins and outs of baseball, White Sox. But getting picked off first base, I don't care how hilarious your name is, Danny. Men, dick. <laughs> I see you Don't get picked off first base. Are you fucking kidding me? Against Bieber? You, no. We need every base runner we can. Garbage. Um, speaking of garbage, Joe Makata. Also, oh, it looks like what I <laughs> missed is the bullpen blew it, but there were unearned runs. I'm looking at the box score here, so there were unearned runs. So I don't know what the hell happened. You guys fill me in. Can't wait to hear you. Oh, here's the last thing I have to say. Oh, no, not the last thing. Sorry. Uh, Jesus Christ, Paul. You're always welcome at, at, at the bar I work at. Oh, you are. You're always welcome there. We accept all kinds of people <laughs> oh, at, at the bar I work at. But I appreciate it. You tip more than a dollar every beer, okay? No, just yeah. one dollar. One do- yeah, it's, it's 2021. You don't nope. tip one dollar. That was just that's like 1998 tipping. That's okay? what I'm at. So just keep that in mind, but you're always welcome. Nope. Uh, this is the last thing. I never thought I'd miss Adam Engel this much. We need Adam Engel. Holy crap, we need Adam Engel. It's ridiculous. Looking forward to hearing what you guys have to think. Go go away, Tex. All right, thank you, Paul. A beer beer is $5. You tip a dollar, that means you're tipping 20%. God damn it, that's enough. I agree. But, I agree. You're, you, if you get enough of them over the course of an evening, like I usually tip depending on how many I'm staying for. Like if I'm if I'm no, I'm I'm in the, for the long haul, having a few beers. Like yeah, a dollar a dollar a beer, I think is is more than reasonable, especially when you're just you know. I don't want to demean the work of our fine bartenders out there, but you're you're pouring it from a tap and handing it to me right there at the bar. Usually, you know, you're not a waiter or waitress bringing it over. You know what I mean? So like you're just giving it to me right at the bar there. So yeah, a dollar a beer, I think that's reasonable. And the he was talking about the extra inning rule, why those are unearned. They come off as a team error. So that runner on second is a team error. That's how they uh, justify that not being on anybody's uh, um, ERA. So the scoring of, who was it, Fran Mil Reyes is a team error. Those don't go against the pitcher who's there. Yeah, but he made a good point, though, about Mendick. You know, that was one of the first things on my notes tonight. You know, he, he does a nice job 
you know, Bieber hangs that curveball, and, and Menick does a nice piece of hitting, just you know, making sure he doesn't let that opportunity go by the wayside. Uh, something that can't be said for all the other White Sox hitters who got hangers tonight from Bieber. But and then he goes on and gets gets picked off, man. Like you know, you got to know Shane Bieber's got a solid pickoff move, pickoff move right there. I don't know if he thought he was gonna not showcase the good one until later on, but he he got the good one early, and that's just stuff stuff like that can't happen. And when you have a lineup and a roster that's in disarray and guys who aren't used to playing full-time because of injuries and this and that, you get exposed, you know, with stuff like that. You get exposed for, for guys who just don't play smart, heads-up baseball. And I don't want to sit here and pound Danny Mendick because he's been good in, in short spurts, and, you know, you know, I'm glad they have him on the team now. But I just as he hit that ball into left field, I was like, oh, man. I was like, here we go, Danny Mendick doing anti-magical things. And then what happens? He gets picked off on a dumb base running error there on the very next pitch. So he he really did fill in for Madrigal nicely in terms of getting on base and then doing something dumb right after that. So there's more problems with this lineup, Herbie. We'll talk about those and we'll preview the next episode next on Lockdown White Sox. Lockdown White Sox is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football's over. Baseball's just getting going here. You've still got the NBA going. Lots of good opportunities to make some money in the NHL as well every single night at Bet Online. As a matter of fact, Herbie, Bet Online even covers award shows, TV shows, reality TV, and other types of entertainment. Yeah, I'm looking right now at the hot dog eating contest. BetOnline.ag has an entertainment section for the competitive eating. Right now, they have a bet up for Joey Chestnut eating. Over or under 74 and a half <laughs> hot dogs in the hot dog eating contest. Whew, friends. Um, I'm I, I love 70, that. Should we do some more research on that one before? We I mean, <laughs> I mean, I know his records like in the 70s, yeah. but he's getting older. Like, I think he he got his 75 is the last year's um, hot dog eating championship. So he's got that record already. I don't know if there's impetus. He keeps on breaking his own record. I don't know if there's impetus for him to keep on doing it because here's no one close to him. So he's battling against himself to eat 75 hot dogs in one sitting is ridiculous. So I'm going under on that one. I'm going under for Joey Chestnut, 74 and a half hot dogs in the hot dog eating contest. Oh, boy. Yeah, I'll have to do some more research here before I make my decision and plunk my money down at betonline.ag. But they've got everything. You can bet on... Uh, who's going to win the 2024 election already. You can place a futures bet on that. If you're into the markets, you can bet on how well or how poor the market's going to do on a daily basis. There's a lot of interesting things and lots of different ways to make money at betonline.ag. The odds are updated in real time, and there's props on almost anything you can imagine, as I just said. It's got you covered for the news, scores, and odds, and BetOnline is the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up, best of all. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today, and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus for your first deposit bet online your online sportsbook experts and do not forget our promo code locked on when you sign up and get your 50 percent bonus at bet online come back and, and get them later tonight we got two more left uh who do we got uh rodon rodon, just, rodon uh, is gonna you know hopefully you know avoid the green apple quick steps again and uh, he's gonna go up against zach please so it'll be another good one um you know TA comes back Thursday. That's all I can say, really, at this point. You know, it, it's so early. Got to improve the play in the division, but it's so damn early. And TA's coming back, and boy, does this lineup miss him, man. He, you know, we talked about him, even when he's not hurt, 
last year after he came back from that injury, and you saw the difference in this team when T.A. was in the lineup and when he wasn't. Yep. He's, he sets the tone, man, and also he happens to produce on top of it. It's not just an anecdotal thing. Oh, he's the tone setter. He's the spark. He's the straw that stirs the drink or whatever. You know, he's he's actually providing a stabilizing force, getting on base at the top of the lineup, and that's what this lineup needs. You know, get push everyone down a little bit. I'm thinking Yohan needs to get moved down. Yohan just looked lost again tonight in between. He's looking passive again like he was in, in 2018. Not good. I think he gets to, needs to be moved up to the two-hole. He was comfortable there. The protection of Jose Abreu and or Yasmani Grandal, he saw a couple more pitches that he didn't see as the four-hitter. He's not a cleanup he's, hitter. We know, Yeah, we know he's not a four-hitter. And we talked about, oh, maybe Tony's just tinkering around, but we never like that to begin with. And that's no. like on the laundry list of things wrong with line, with this lineup construction. That's something we never even broached. But yeah, I still hate that Yoan at four. I, I'm cool with moving him up too. Like you know, we've seen him have success there. So yeah, I'm not saying move him down just to move him down, sick, but just move him out of the four hole already. Yeah, that's a hundred percent. I just don't know who's giving Tony advice, or he's just saying I'm the manager. I know these guys. I'm gonna put them in the order that I think they should be in. There's no reason in hell why Luis Roberts should be the new number two hitter. I mean, maybe he's a little bit better than he is a seven, but the two hitter, when you have Yohan Moncada there, that that should never happen. He shouldn't be hitting seven when you have Nick Williams in the lineup or other bums, but two is a little rough because the guy doesn't get on base enough to justify that. So put him five, put him six, but two is a little too early. Mine would be like last year, Tim, Yohan, Yaz, you put Jose right there. If you had Eloy, you put him fifth. But now you have um, uh, Mercedes hit him fifth and then so on and so forth. But I don't understand why he goes with the lineups he goes with. Like, I see the left-handed lineup he goes with when it's usually um, Eaton at the top of the lineup and then it's uh, Robert and Tim Anderson being at the top of the lineup settles a couple of these things. And it will make the uh, lineup a little bit better, but I and when in Tim Anderson's stead, he's doing like these. Like I said, he's reaching into a hat after four and just picking up names. It's like okay, this guy bats fifth, this guy bats sixth, this guy bats seventh. Just trash. Uh, real quick here, just to cap it, this will be the last thing I have. I saw you and uh, and respond to Ryan McGuffey, who did a great job also in the pregame press conference with Tony, but also in the postgame as well. He asked Tony LaRussa if Williams earned the right for that 10th inning A.B., and Tony responded with this. Yeah, let me ask you something. Who didn't struggle tonight? Then he laughs uh, on, on, on the sock side. I mean, everyone struggled. I felt good. Williams is an aggressive hitter, and they fed off that a couple of times. They got him to chase a couple of times. So not aggressive hitter. He's a shit hitter. Yeah. All right. That's that's fair enough. Uh, we'll be back at it midnight. We'll have the post game recap of Rodon versus Zick Plesac, and uh, we'll have the recap for you posted around midnight. Hopefully, uh, presuming the game does not go long. So that's all I got today, Irby. I hope that guy who doesn't like me swearing is not listening today because today was a oh, thing. Yeah. Your freaking today ears. was a thing. I'm sorry, guy. I don't, forgot don't apologize Sorry. to these Quakers. <laughs> I'm a I'm a cusser. I cuss a lot on this thing. Even though I got radio training, I don't cuss on that. Yeah. So that is Chris Tannehill. Follow him on Twitter at Chris Tannehill. Me, Herb Lawrence, Ecknerwall23. That is Lawrence spelled backwards with a two three. Yes, I still do that because I'm a third grader, like the other guy who doesn't like me saying Ecknerwall23. 
Locked on Sox is the way you follow us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. This is a bad day. We lost, but let's give praise. I don't know if we gave it enough. Lucas Giolito is a beast. He is a beast. Ace. Same thing. Same thing with Evan Marshall. A beast. We got some people on our lineup that can do some things, especially on our pitching staff. It's good to see Lucas Giolito rise to the occasion versus his fellow ace and do and match him pitch for pitch up into the seventh inning. That's what we need, and he did a good job, and people did not bail him out. You need better from your manager to set that lineup up better. So we'll talk to you later on tonight after the White Sox take on Plesak, and hopefully we get back Andrew Vaughn, we get back Mercedes, we can put a couple of hits together, and we can win the damn game. So join us tonight on Locked on Sox.